Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. My name is Rod. And I'm Jess. And this is our season finale, guys. Oh, it's such a sad day. We've really enjoyed (laughs) recording these and reminiscing and just talking about our experiences. I think it's really good to talk about what you've done and it really makes you appreciate and reflect on the experiences we've done and to get to share it with all of you has been incredible. And for all of you that have been listening along for all 18 episodes, you guys rock. Please reach out to us. We would love to hear what you thought. And thank you. Thank you so much for letting us, you know, take a little bit of your time on your daily commute or wherever it is that you listen. So for today's episode, we wanted to share the top 10 things that we've learned about family travel. So for those of you that might be listening for the first time, we've been on the road for about six months now, primarily through Southeast Asia. We've been to 10 countries, over 25 cities, 20 flights, and a lot of modes of transportation from tuk-tuks to trains to funiculars to ox carts. We've seen a lot, and I think this is the perfect time for us to be able to share what are the best things that we've learned so that wherever it is that you travel, where it's whether it's near or far, hopefully you can implement some of this stuff and help you on your future travels. So let's get right to it. Our number one is your bucket list will get longer, not shorter. So when we originally planned our travels, we knew we wanted to get to Southeast Asia and we had some specific countries in mind. We knew we wanted to go to Thailand. Uh, we were interested in Vietnam. We knew we wanted to get to Bali. But the more countries that we visited, the more we realized that there is so much more of Southeast Asia that we wanted to see. We were really kicking ourselves when we left that we didn't get to visit Laos. We didn't get to visit Myanmar we didn't get to visit Sri Lanka and you're probably going to feel that way too and that's okay don't feel bad about it there are still times that you can plan in the future to visit more locations and any really place that you pick is going to be a good one yeah I think definitely within each city even uh, you just have to know you can't see it all there are some cities we went to that we didn't get to see everything we wanted but there's just not enough time and you have to choose, do you want to see more places or dive in deep to fewer places? Uh, But the more people you meet along the way, definitely the more you want to keep exploring. Yeah. The next one on our list was, family travel is hard, but it gets easier the more you do it. I still remember before we left, dreading our first flight. It was like this long haul flight. I was worried our kids were gonna misbehave. We were gonna get the death stares. Oh, how would they adjust to the time zone? There was all these fears and worries in my head. And I have learned that the more you travel, the easier it gets. Our kids now know when they get on a plane, like there's a routine we have. Uh, Typically we restrict tablet time more the days before we go. uh, And that's kind of like their treat for being on the plane, depending on the flight means whether they get it the whole time or a portion of the time. Uh, They just kind of know expectations. Yeah, we used to be so paranoid when our kids were throwing a fit or if they weren't behaving like we wanted them to, that other people would judge us for it. And at this point, we've kind of gained the sense to know that, hey, regardless of whether somebody's annoyed or not, 
if we can keep a cool composure, then our kids will feed off of that and it'll be better all around, not just for us, but for the people that might be annoyed. Also, if that's something that bothers you, head to Southeast Asia, guys, because everyone in Southeast Asia are the most kid-friendly people ever. If your kid starts crying at a restaurant, and this didn't happen once, it happened every country, every place, a waiter will pick up your kid and rock them or take them outside to play with them while you eat. I found that in Southeast Asia, it's definitely more of a community feeling uh, when it comes to rearing children. So there's a lot less judgment and a lot more love. And that kind of takes us to our number three, and that is there is no such thing as a bad destination. I think one of the things that you see in the media a lot is the media likes to point out what is bad, what is dangerous, and what is what makes a destination not worth going to. But what we've noticed is there are so many beautiful things that you can visit. There are so many amazing people that you can see. And regardless of um, whether you know you, you take a really luxurious vacation or you find budget options, chances are you're going to see something amazing. And it's definitely worth it to go wherever it is on your list that you want to go to, regardless of what other people think and have said about that destination. I'm also not saying that you shouldn't be careful. You should take the necessary steps to protect you and your family and your children, but don't let you know one bad story ruin your perception of a particular city or country. The next one is you don't have to go far to see something beautiful. We started our adventures in Colorado close to home before we set off across the world. <laughs> and we found so many beautiful things close to home that we had put off for seeing for years. We'd lived in Colorado for four years and never really made the time to explore our own home state. And once we did, we realized just how close to magical places we really lived. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the glamping locations, the amazing mountains in Colorado, even when um, we lived in New Mexico, some of the deserts there, some of the caverns are just spectacular. And just remember too, we often take for granted where we live, but there's people all over the world in Australia, Europe, Southeast Asia, who want to go to wherever you live, whether that's the US or Europe or wherever, someone on the opposite side of the world dreams of going to your home. So get to know it. <laughs> Absolutely. Our next thing we learn is that your kids are tougher than you think. We expected that our kids would be really rambunctious, that they wouldn't take well to the travel lifestyle, and that it would be really difficult. But what we found is that they were extremely flexible, extremely resilient, and they got used to the constant movement and the travels and the seeing new people and seeing new things. And it made us realize that we don't need to carry, you know, all of our... Um, like our sound machine that we use to put Nora uh, to sleep or we, won't need, we don't need to plan a specific nap time for the kids and kind of set our entire day based on their schedule. They adapt and they learn and they become comfortable wherever it is that you're at. Yes, you guys would not believe prior to traveling, we were one of the most rigid families. I would drive across the town for nap time. Like Rod said, we had our sound machine. She had to sleep in a dark room on her crib with a certain blanket and a certain stuffed animal. And now there is none of that. <laughs> and I would have never believed that we'd be where we are today. But our kids are resilient. They're adaptable. And it's just been amazing to see how much we used to stress out over small things that probably were irrelevant even back then. <laughs> right. Okay, this next one, number six, is 
Don't let anyone get hangry. This、uh, is a lesson that I particularly learned because sometimes I get hangry and I kind of take it off on the family and I get a little grouchy and then everybody gets grouchy and that's not a good thing. In our family, it tends to be a boy thing because I feel like you and Santi get the most hangry. Like、yeah. there's a line and if you cross it, oh golly. So pack snacks or make time to stop and eat. I think this kind of leads into our next point that flexibility is really key if you want to have an enjoyable travel experience. As Rod said at the beginning, we have traveled in a various modes of transportation. So, to give an example, back home, I always used a car seat. I definitely followed the guidelines of rear facing, forward facing. But in Southeast Asia, we were taking grabs or Ubers, as we call them. Um, to and from destinations, and it wouldn't have been very practical for us to install the car seat and then have to carry it around all day. Or sometimes we took a tuk tuk or an ox cart or different modes of transportation. I'm not saying you can't rent a car and still have the same safety standards as you do back home, but really we kind of go by the motto of live like the locals do. That's not something a local would do. I mean, we didn't. Exactly, go as extreme as some as packing a family of five on one moped or a family <laughs> of four on one moped. We were a little bit more cautious, but to really try to assimilate into that culture. So that meant for us, we would grab a tuk tuk and hold Nora in our lap, or we would ride in the back of a truck and hold Nora in our lap to and from destinations. And for us, that was something that made our travel more enjoyable. We became more flexible with nap time. So, if we wanted to see a certain ceremony or a particular location and that best time of day was during nap, well, you know, she can nap in the stroller on the way or she'll miss the nap for the day. And we really learned that our family, when we're flexible and we just kind of go with the flow, Things just work out and our kids adapt, like we said before, and it makes the travel experience just so much more enjoyable. So, next up is the world is full of kind people. I think we always knew that to a point, but just to know when you travel with kids, the kindness level goes way up. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. People go out of their way to help you and to greet you and just really to welcome you into their country. That has been so surprising. We will go places and people will see our kids, and typically they approach our kids first, or their children will approach our kids first. And we really feel Like by traveling as a family, we get a better local cultural insight because people are so kind and so excited to show our family the like their country. Yeah, and don't be you know too reserved not to accept help from a local. That is one thing that we started off not doing when we first got to Bali. We were really cautious. We thought that for some reason everyone was out to either kidnap or hurt our children or us. <laughs> we were <laughs> crazy we, at yeah, first. We quickly realized that that wasn't the case. And when you open yourself up to those opportunities where, hey, if somebody's inviting you to go somewhere, you know, trust your gut at first, but also take the opportunity to take them up on that offer because. More likely than not, you're going to have a phenomenal experience. You're going to learn and see things that you don't find in guidebooks. You're going to learn some personal stories from people that are have the opportunity to truly change you, challenge you, and develop you as a person. Okay, our next one is there will always be reasons not to go. 
push through them. That is one of the first things that we learned because as we've talked about on this podcast before, we weren't always open to the possibility of family travel. And there were a lot of things that were holding us back and we were able to push through them little by little. So for example, uh, Santi had some challenges early on that we had to face. We did a lot of occupational therapy with him, namely Jess did. But over time, as he got better, that kind of reason uh, kind of dropped off our radar as one of the detractors that we would have to family travel. There's always going to be something that's going to be telling you, you either shouldn't do it or you should wait until later when things are better. So you kind of just have to take the leap, push on through the challenges, learn from them and improve yourself, your family and your situation as um, as it happens. Our number 10 thing that we've learned about family travel. Jess, what is it? That the kids may not remember it, but it is still so worth it. I don't know how often we hear, I can't believe you guys are putting this much effort into something your kids won't remember or you should wait till they're older. We get it all the time. I truly believe that our children are being changed and who they will become later on by the experiences that they've had throughout our travels. And I don't really throw like fancy facts into our podcast (laughs) because we're typically more casual. But UNICEF states that a child's first five years lay the foundation for the rest of their life. Their first relationships, environments, and experiences shape how their brain develops. So I just don't think that these first five years, six years should ever be discounted. I think at any age in life, your child's having hands-on sensory experiences daily. They're learning things that typically they only get through a textbook. And I think that that is so beautiful and will definitely impact them. They might not remember exactly what happened, but adaptability, flexibility, learning different religions, uh, that people who look different from them or come from different economic backgrounds are all loving, kind people of this world. And these are characteristics that we really value in our children. And I think, actually, I know I already see a change in our children. And so I don't think that at any point you should say a child is too young to travel. It's just, to me, crazy to think that way. Yeah, even Nora, who's, you know, about to turn three years old, we've seen a profound change in her personality. And this isn't a change that we would think would have happened if we would have stayed home just because we put her in so many new and unique situations. Uh, Before we left, she's, you know, relatively shy. She wouldn't want to approach people. She wouldn't want to talk to people when they talk to her. And we've gotten to the point where she welcomes and embraces people talking to her. She's not, you know, the most outgoing person out there, but there's been a definite change in her kind of heading towards there being most more socially flexible uh, and more willing to be able to kind of partake in conversation or play with other kids, with adults and people that she doesn't necessarily know. Yeah, it's just been really fun to see. And Santi, who just turned six, really absorbs more of what we do than I ever imagined. Uh, I know you guys hear him on the podcast sometimes and he kind of tells you his stories and he's done such an awesome job. But just sometimes we, you know, especially in Vietnam when we went there, I was a little worried about going into details of the war, what should we include and what should we not. And I think we did a good job at doing it age appropriate, but like the amount that he grasped and like the questions he asked really showed me that we just don't give kids enough credit. Yeah, and there's, you know, constantly talking about it and having them 
tell you what they thought of an experience over and over again and putting that repetition into your travels, I think is another good tip uh, because it helps them remember better. Santi still remembers what he did in Bali four months ago. He still remembers, you know, the our camper van trip in Hawaii that we did at the very beginning. And that's because we are constantly, you know, asking him to remember and also having the the photos and the videos that we can look back on and watch as our kind of home movies um, is something that we're going to look to to make sure that he remembers what happened or at least kind of see the video so we can see what it is that he did when he was at that age. So there you have it, guys. Those are our top 10 things that we've learned throughout our first six months of travel. I have one more. I have Ooh, a bonus one. Bonus. I totally just forgot this one. I don't know how because it's so crucial. This is a crucial one. How could we forget crucial it? Crucial bonus. Find playgrounds. Yes, we have been on a playground tour of Southeast Asia. And Yeah, and I think you have to remember, yes, it's exciting to show your kids Anchor Wat or a temple or whatever the monument in that city is, but to keep them truly happy and engaged in a happy family, you have to find places that are also really, really fun for your kids. They can only handle so much history. So finding those little playground sessions is a great way for your child to have fun, but also for them to meet local kids from that culture. And our kids have learned a lot from other kids just by being on playgrounds. It's a good way for them just to naturally engage in conversation, ask each other about their culture, their interests. Santi has learned about different sports that we don't play in the United States by being at the mm -hmm. playground. He has learned basic lang language sometimes because sometimes where we have been, the children don't speak English, so they use a lot of hand signals and kind of teach each other their language. So it's been really, really awesome. So don't underestimate the value of a plaza as a great place for kids to play or a playground because it's a way for them to have fun and also a way for them just to learn. Yeah. So guys, in terms of what is happening next with our family, our travels may be winding down for a very short amount, but we are not done yet. So this first season, we considered kind of going through Southeast Asia. Right now, we're finishing up our travels throughout Australia. We've been on a road trip that's been awesome. We've had friends visit us. We've been to like seven to eight different cities all throughout Australia so far. And after that, we are heading back to the U.S. to kind of spend the holidays with with family. We want to catch up on our blog, thejetsettingfamily.com, to kind of give you more information and more detailed guides on all the destinations that we went through. So if you have any specifics or have specific questions about a location, you can check those out. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we will be posting those on our website. We'll probably start at the very beginning. So it'll start from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll slowly all the way through February get through every country we went to and hopefully provide a lot of good insight. Yeah. And during that time, we were going to hunker down and start planning our season two of our travels which are going to start off in Mexico in February so both of us you know having Mexican descent we are excited to check out a lot of different cities in Mexico that we have already been to but not necessarily together as a family and even places that we haven't been to as well yes yeah, so Mexico and Central America are our big goals for next year and we're really excited uh, to teach our kids the language and to have them hopefully meet family members they haven't met along the way 
and go to some new countries. Absolutely. So we will remain active on Instagram. We will remain active on YouTube. You can find us on any of those social media channels at the Jet Setting Family. And if you ever want to reach out, just go ahead and send us a message or you can email us at hello at thejetsettingfamily.com. We love hearing from you. We've had a couple of listeners that have emailed us um, asking us some questions about some destinations. We are always available and happy to help out with whatever travel needs that you have because ultimately our mission is to inspire you to travel more either whether that's with your family by yourselves or with your significant other more travel is better mo better (laughs) better. (laughs) i don't even want to sign off today guys because even though i don't see you and you don't talk back to me i just really enjoy this time i really enjoy being able to share our love of travel with all of you and to be able to connect with some of you outside of this platform as well. I also wanted to really, really thank everyone over at Podglomerate for helping make this season truly successful. Your editing and help to get us off the ground as newbie podcasters has been invaluable to us and we are so, so grateful. Thank you as well to CastBox for giving us this opportunity and this platform to be able to share our message to begin with. So from our family to yours, once again, thank you so much. We hope that all of you have very happy holidays, very happy vacations, and really, until next season, happy jet setting. The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them.